Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. It's the 1980s with the Literary License Podcast retrospective of 80s horror films with your co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, John Wilson, and Keith Shago keeping everything tubular and rad. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. They'll say. She wouldn't even I'm your number one fan. Hello, welcome to Let Your License Podcast, and it's the 80s, two for one, which we have changed from nature versus man to the 80s. And of course, we'll be covering our first two films by David Cronenberg, which will be Scanners from 1981 and Videodrome from 1983. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We have James with us. Hello, James. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Do good. Glad to have you back. And we got Craig and David. Hello, Craig and David. Hello, Hello from East Finchley. Yes, East Finchley. Hey, crazy guys. John Wilson's back with us. Hello, John. Hello, folks. Hi, John. And Joe Randazzle. Hello, Hello John. Joe. Hey, everyone. Long live and the new Vicky flesh. Ray. Hello, Vicky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. All these crazy Hi. men. You should hear the conversation before we start recording. Yeah. <laughs> and my fellow Keishagam, before we get started, let's find out what everyone's been up to. And we'll start off with you, James. How what have you been up to? Well, uh, I had uh, released uh, Appalachian. Uh, that novel, uh, film short, is going to be in the film festival coming up in Philadelphia. Uh, on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. And I just found out that the um, production company for my book, uh, Unexhumed, released it on the 9th. And uh, <clears throat> that is the cover. Of what nice. It's hey, great. But, uh, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I hope that go- that novel goes well. That's about uh, obsession over lifetimes. Um, <laughs> a, a, a gentleman that's really obsessed about his wife uh, kills her after the wedding night and her friend and they uh, come back and uh, he, he dies in a train wreck. And then uh, <clears throat> he haunts the house for quite some time. And then she in the next life finds this house. She loves it, buys it, moves in. And she Ooh, has to deal like with this that. stalker <laughs> ghost. So wow. I like cool. stalker ghost. That's really <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a little twisted. Um, I wrote it that way. Um, it's that one there is fictional, of course. Of so, course. Uh, 
You never know, um, though. Sounds like a lot of families I could relate to right now. So just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, which film festival in Philadelphia is that uh, that it's playing in? Um, it's the International Film Festival in Philadelphia. That's oh. like, and then uh, it, that uh, Appalachian uh, short got accepted into Screen Fest this year. Um, oh, so it's going to be uh, streamed live all December tenth throughout the Northern Hemisphere. Well, okay. definitely congratulations cool. on Screen Fest. It's one of the biggest horror. No films kidding, that's great. So congratulations. Cool. Yeah. Um, I shot the uh, the book teaser just to get interest in Appalachian because it's about a true story on um, the first undocumented serial killer in early America. It's excellent too. You sent that to me. You all should watch it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I have some D- DVDs if you want me sending some. But I uh, <clears throat> um, I starred in that as the serial killer. It was fun. <laughs> I love serial I killers. Read, I actually read the book. Um, I finished a couple of weeks ago, and actually, I'm post the review on it. So, no, thank you. Yeah. Which will be on part of our newsletter. So make sure you join up to our newsletter www.llpodcast.com. That's the same. Shameless as plug. My heart. The same as shameless plug. plug. Only many of them during our. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't no cheap piece of meat. You're looking at it. Cost. <laughs> you can. Uh, what about you yourself, research- What have you been up to? Who, me? Yeah, you. Yeah, all kind of threw me. I'm just laughing at you still from the prior conversation. Um, not a lot. Uh, just doing the family thing. My daughter's in the process of changing houses, and so they're kind of back and forth. And the good thing about Videodrome, that, honestly, was that it chases your adult children out of the room. So that that was one good that was one good use. Eighties horror and millennials. Yeah. But uh, other than that, not a whole lot going on. I. Uh, uh, watched uh, Jolt. Any of you guys see that? With uh, I liked it. Kate Beckinsale. Um, yeah. Oh, I got such a girl crush on her. Seriously, she's. Just it's like, a great movie. I loved it. It, it was really it was good. I thought it was going to be really cheesy, but it wasn't. I love it. Yeah, it had a good twist towards the end. Yeah, very, very action packed. I mean, it's, looks, it's fantastic. It looks like they're going to probably do another one. At least I'm hoping they are. And I watched uh, Blood Vessel. I don't know if you guys ever watched that about the Nazi boat. These guys the get on a Nazi boat and it's huh? I've seen the trailer for that. How is that? It's it's it depends on if it's your cup of tea or not. You know, <laughs> most people would find a lot of it really offensive, but you know, not us probably. But it, it's kind of it's, it was kind of really interesting. And then, um, of course, I watched Malignant. And that's just up to, you know, everybody, what they think. Joe's over there smiling because he knows everybody's been ranting and raving. You either love it or you hate it. People are just losing sleep over this movie, literally losing sleep. People are literally fighting in forums over this. And it's just a movie, people. It's not real. Sort of like Carol on The Walking Dead. It's just a movie, fans. I know. We have a lot of people want Carol's short hair back, but a lot of people want Carol's long hair. And so it's just like I'm sure somewhere in the zombie apocalypse, Days there is a brush though, okay. There is a brush somewhere. Brush Carol's hair, and then everything. The will fact be that right. Carol's still alive is it a miracle <laughs> itself. So <laughs> I know, but I'm really actually pleased with this. Uh, the last few episodes I've watched, actually. So, and what about Not yourself, bad. David? What have you been up to uh, this week? Uh, we'll be up to Stoke on Trent, which is in the. Uh, uh, kind of lower Midlands of England, you know, and um, just doing some work up there. And I've just been after sort of like 
wandering around guitar shops for the last two months, deciding when I'm going to treat myself to a new guitar. <laughs> I've finally bought a new one, and uh, it's really nice. I'm really happy with it. You know, I might play a little bit later on. <laughs> Let you guys <laughs> see it. It's powder blue. Beautiful. <laughs> Guitars are art pieces, you know. They should just be displayed on the wall, you know. It's such a shame when they go out and you gig with them and they get scratched up and that, you know, but um, they, that's life. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, Craig? What about yourself, Craig? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, just um, enjoying the wet and wild weather we've had this week yeah, it's in, been in Finchley. Is and- it warm? It's been, a little bit, yeah. It was, I went to Oxford and South End to see some oh, relatives, yeah. and it was like Muggy. really hot one day, and then from mm. like the past couple of days, it's just been raining and cold, and it's. Uh, I think the weather doesn't know what 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 month it is. It wants I think to do, it, yeah. <laughs> but um, I've just been. Uh, I met I met Keith. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, I heard. I'm so happy. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. hey. And uh, he's. Um, Helping with merchandise and stuff like that for me, my um, my artwork, and um, there'll be links in the newsletter um, on, uh, on and it's available on Etsy. If you just search Craig's oh, yeah. World on Etsy, you can check out some of my stuff. And I try and keep nice. it um, seasonal. <laughs> um, cool. Try to keep it seasonal. And I've been watching. <laughs> I've been watching video nasties this week for <laughs> like the nasty nasties. Yeah, who did for, for tonight's special? <laughs> Normally, <laughs> were these two movies on the list? <laughs> they probably were. There's <laughs> okay, a, a good word, Vicky, for the English weather: muggy. Muggy. It's muggy in Texas too. What about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Uh, well, my uh, my roommate's in Hawaii for two weeks, so I've got so this is like my first day, like having the whole place to myself and not having to work. So uh, I don't know, right. I don't know what to do with myself. Like I'm like, oh Did my god! Did you jump I- up, up and down on the bed naked and do all that fun <laughs> stuff? <laughs> he does like I risky business where he's sliding across the floor that. in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I got I got one of those cheap IKEA beds. I wouldn't trust that. <laughs> just fall right through it. Anybody can bust an IKEA bed. But yeah, I've been. Um, I, I I fell down the Al Pacino Robert De Niro uh, rabbit hole the last couple of days. Like I've like after work, I've just been coming home, and I'm like, <coughs> I got like a stack of DVDs on my coffee table, and I just saw. I've never seen Mad Dog and Glory. Let me throw that on. I've never seen Stand Up Guys. Let me throw that on. Because I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to like crowd up too much uh, too much horror stuff right before Halloween. Because I know. Like once yeah, you've got your list. I'm waiting for your list again this year. <laughs> I'm the same way. I kind of go through. I hold off to it, like revisit a lot of films. Although I, I did see Malignant because it was there. It's yeah. like you know, it's there. It's free. Everybody's talking about it, and I could see why it was so divisive. Uh, it flies off the rail in the last uh, in the last uh, uh, quarter of it. So I guess that's gonna be the real deciding point of whether you like it or not. And I'm not going to get into what, what the twist is or anything, because I don't know who's seen it and who hasn't, but yeah. Uh, how you feel about that twist is probably going to uh, inform how you feel about the movie. What about yourself? And other than that, I'm waiting for, uh, waiting for film festivals to get back to me on some of the stuff I've submitted the last few weeks. As, uh, one of them's coming up in October, hoping to get into that. That'll be the first one for the new projects. What about yourself, John? What have you been up to? 
I am happy to say that I'm going to be moving at the end of October. So I finally, after freaking months of never ending, looking for a new home to live in, to be in New Jersey city. So I'm really happy about that. Um, and I've also been um, playing State of Decay 2. They, have, they had updates that I was really excited about that they actually updated the first sort of level in State of Decay, which was like called Homeland. So they updated everything and it just looks beautiful and there's a new storyline. So I, I've been playing that. Um, I have been kind of hopping around television wise, just kind of watching little things here and there. Um, started the new season of uh, Why Women Kill or Women. Yeah, Why Women Kill. It's on uh, Paramount+. Plus. It's fantastic. It is a Mark Cherry show, so think very Desperate Housewives, but it's, like, the first episode, I was like, oh, God. Like, because <laughs> I, I thought I knew what the show was going to be about, and I was like, oh, this is really pleasantly surprising. But it's about a, a frumpy woman who wants to join an elite uh, group of women who are in a gardens club, and the one that plays the... Um, the head of that is the one that was on Once Upon a Time. I can't think of her name, but she played the Evil Queen. Oh, it's fantastic though. But it's like it's set in the fifties, like so. Even just the style and the way they dress and just the way they are and stuff, and the and their um, the decor and everything. It's just it pulls you right into the story, and then it's it's a mystery a bit because you're trying to figure out why eventually she kills because it, it is about why women kill so it's not just her why other women That's interesting. Are forced oh. to kill someone in order to kind of be happy <laughs> so i have to put in a good word for a fish called wanda i don't know why this ended up on my tv the other night ago but it was i just i forgot how funny that freaking movie is i was gonna say you never saw it this oh my god i love yeah no i hadn't seen it in like 15 yeah. years and i just I couldn't stop laughing. I never watch lighthearted stuff. Um, I've been, I watched a new Sam Raimi produced film that's on Netflix called Night Books, which is a, uh, a takeoff of Hansel and Gretel, which is quite fun. Nice. So that was quite good. Um, getting geared up to watch the season finale of David Cronenberg's um, TV show on Shudder, um, Slasher. Yeah, I, w- I yeah. wanted to wait till all that was done and then i want to watch it all back to back so it's, it's very almost... good I'm, I'm loving it it's fantastic it's about so what next... american horror story should be yeah just yeah. signed a contract with prometheus films so signed a three-picture deal with them so doing so i'm basically sorting out the scripts for that at the moment getting nice. them see what they do with those and preparing for the back to blood premiere party which is on October 11th at Soho House here in Soho. So, oh my God. so happy can't, for you. I can't wait till this because we, me and Keith got to play Back for Blood mm-hmm. and I had such a blast. It's so much fun. It is a fantastic game. Um, I see a lot of people either really working well together or not working so well together in it, but it's a fantastic game. It's just story-wise is fun. Everything he, the writing that was done for it is so funny. I caught myself laughing many times during the different epilogues and things like that. It's, it's such a great game. And it's now sold over 2 million copies in pre-sales. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Congratulations. And it's been up, it's up for some awards as well. Very cool. already before it's been released, so... So yeah, so that'll be good. So doing that, and of course, I'm holding on for bated breath for Far Cry Six. So I'll be for, getting for what? I'm sorry. Which um has um an all star cast, and oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm back for Blood. Um, the the voice of Mom, the character in that, is voiced by Barbara Crampton. Oh, very cool! Really, that's nice. awesome. 
So cool. They got Barbara. Oh Compton, yeah. A bunch of people coming into voice. I didn't actually know who the voice actors were, but I've um I've got the um release sheet and it's got all the voice actors and now because they've been interviewing all the voice actors now sort of things to put to for the release for next month for all the magazines and stuff so that's cool but yeah so that's pretty much it for me the sam raimi movie was it night hooks night books yes night books okay want to find it books. they can yeah. mark it's it off by him um it's not directed by him but it's produced by him and it, it's quite fun actually it's not it's on um he did that right it came out yeah, yesterday Okay. Yeah, he did Evil Dead, and he also did. Uh, didn't he do? Didn't the Remy Brothers do Drag Me to Hell? No, Drag Me yeah. to Hell. Drag yeah. Me to Hell. Yeah, and Spider Man. And uh, <laughs> I like Drag I Me to Hell. Drag I love Drag Me to Hell. That was such a, a lot fun of people movie. give it some bad rap, but I I liked it. Uh, uh, October seventh, um, uh, Evil Dead is back in theaters for one night. The original. Oh, wow. Join us. <laughs> Join us. <laughs> oh, today's Elvira's birthday. Oh, oh yeah, she's actually, 70. Yeah. That reminds me. Shutter's doing the um, Elvira's coming back to host a horror, uh, horror evening on Shutter. <laughs> on Shutter next weekend, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. And, she looks great. And if you're listening to a really, if you're looking for a really good podcast um, with the history of horror coming out with Ale- um, Eli Ross, third season's opening. Oh, yeah. And they've done a podcast of all the episodes as well, so there's some really good interviews on there with people like um, Bruce Campbell does an interview, Rob Zombie, and they're really decent interviews. And anybody who's anybody podcast. in horror, man. Yeah, yeah. But, but listen to the podcast, actually. It's actually better than the TV series. There's some really... Yeah, I think it's on Podbean, too, isn't it? On Podbean. Yeah, it's on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, any good place for Probably in the same one that you're listening to us on. So, yay. (laughs) Other shameless plug. Well, this brings us to Scanners. Now, Scanners is a 1981 Canadian science fiction horror film written and directed by David Cronenberg and stars Stephen Lack, Jennifer O'Neill, Michael Ironside, and Patrick McGugan. In the film Scanners are people with unusual telepathic and telekinetic powers. Consec, a proprietor of weaponry and security systems, searches out Scanners to use them for its own purposes. The film's plot concerns the attempt for Daryl Revick, played by Michael Ironside, a renegade scanner to wage a war against Consec. Another scanner, Cameron Vale, played by Lack, is dispatched by Consec to stop Revit. Scanners premiered on January 1981 to lukewarm rev- reviews from critics, but became one of the first films produced in Canada to successfully compete with American films at the international box office. It brought Cronenberg and his controversial style of body horror attention from mainstream film audiences for the first time and has since been reevaluated as a cult classic. It is particularly well known for a scene of Revit telepathically causing a rival scanner's head to explode. What we'll do is come to the trailer and we'll be right back to discuss scanners from 1981. of you in this room one at a time i must remind you that the uh, scanning experience is usually a painful one sometimes resulting in 
Nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. At this point, I'd like to call for volunteers. Fine. Just, uh, sit right here, please. I'd like you to think of something specific. Do I have to close my eyes? It doesn't matter. All right, yes, I have something. Welcome back to Lister License Podcast, and we're discussing Scanners from 1981. And starting with you, David, what are your thoughts of Scanners from 1981? Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, there's a few times when my head was going to explode a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Don't overthink it. No, it's Cronenberg, uh, you know, he's best. And plus, Debbie Harry. Yeah, yeah I know you guys. Oh yeah, that is. I was, I was like, like, wait, she's in this one too. Where the hell? I'm missing. <laughs> you know what's so weird? I always think Christopher Walken and Scanners for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> it's I it's, it's called it's called uh, it's like that Paul Simon song, "The Orange Bled the Blue," and I think that's that's the future of movies where each movie invades each other. And yeah. I think it is. It's the yeah. early 80s, I swear. Yeah. No, no, it's a great, great movie. I just love it. Um, I think sort of like what you were saying before, but Debbie Harry. Uh, yeah, we've we both about, yeah. we've both seen her live, I think, in separate. That's right, in a separate um, event. I saw her in uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm slightly older than Craig. Slightly, <laughs> just a little bit. Huh? Slightly. <laughs> and I'm a little bit older, but Keith for a couple months, but he would make that sound like decades or millennia. <laughs> Because he keeps calling you mom. <laughs> Grandma, thank you very Grandma. much. Grandma. <laughs> She's just grand. Well, the thing is, I put a, I put a, a pair of my flares in the, uh, the, in the cupboard, and now the back, it comes round again and back in fashion. You know what I'm <laughs> and that's scanners. Yes, I think it makes yeah. my good. <laughs> it was... Um... It was quirky. I want to say quirky. it was quirky, but yeah. I, I think I was comparing it with Videodrome. Yeah, I know I was getting I mixed up like at one point. Even more. <laughs> um, Does he have stock actors? I'm sorry. 
Daniel well, Cronenberg I'm uses sure a lot from of the stock, um, stock actors. They're all Probably. Canadian. And if you look at his early ones, whether it's The Brute and Parasite and Back, well, you know, know what I'm talking about. You'll see, you'll see the same character. You see the same actors appearing. <clears throat> yeah. Now he, that kind of changes, of course, when he starts getting American money in, which we saw uh-huh. with the last film we did, Dead Zone, right, where, yeah, we, right. where we don't get the the Cronenberg cast of actors. Kind of a bit like Sam Raimi, who was a bit like that, or a lot of That's, actors. Yeah. Um, Brian De Palma was another one. In the beginning of the career, they have all these stock actors that they kind of used over and over and over. And then Scanners had a really good film quality about it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Actually. But obviously, I was comparing it with Videodrome again. Um, <laughs> but it was, um, there were some scenes that I really absolutely loved, like um, the bit where the I think they were in a school bus and then it just decided to crash into like a record a record store yeah Yeah. Um, that was really lovely Um, that was lovely (laughs) i just love the color that's like crashing a bus into a record (laughs) store with a bunch of girls that's just lovely (laughs) it's on the bucket list (laughs) i also saw like similarities to this in like if you look at like firestarter and just that theme of like corporate so is- greed okay. and how yeah. they manage and manipulate people and it's like we always got to be on these poor people who are mutants and might as well like call them mutants but like scanners like these poor people who are mutants are like just getting hunted down and slaughtered you're like what the hell that's what at first i was a little confused because it's not i guess i was so caught up by what the main character was trying to do for radovic is that his name that yeah so it's like what what is his role like what is he trying to do for him and then and it, once you start to get into it it's like oh now it makes much more sense but it was um yeah poor mutant people being scanners being hunted down slaughtered well i think i mean um what's quite interesting around scanners is it comes around with um telekinetic films were start starting with carrie and then we yeah. get the fury of course another brian de palma right. film and then yeah. we kind of got cronenberg's version of the fury almost because the storylines are quite similar really it's basically you know government agency brings in this person who can telepathically kill people at will sort of thing and so on and so forth but Cronenberg actually gives it a night twist for De Palma basically gives everything a kind of a polished screen to it well you know with his elbow doesn't he got more money you know (laughs) no I mean Cronenberg it's not that I don't think it's money I think that Cronenberg's actually if you look at all his films even when he does have money there's always this gritty dirtiness behind in his films there's always this kind of rough kind of and his actors are more, they're not how they just seem, there's more of a naturalistic way that his actors act as well. They right. don't, you know, they don't look like they're acting, they act like they're actually living these parts almost sort of thing. I mean, if you look at Michael Ironside, I mean, you know, I think this is his first film actually. Well, me and, me and, um, well, me and Joe were trying to figure that out. I, I keep thinking he was in something else, maybe, maybe in a small part somewhere, but, but I, I think, think this was Joe like his trying to find it. He might have done a lot of TV and stuff like this. I mean, he did um, a lot of TV. Uh, he did a lot of TV miniseries and played bad guys. Because I do remember him in a couple miniseries. He does. Does he ever play a nice guy other than well, even in Star- Starship Troopers, he was kind of an uh, asshole. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in Top Gun, he was somewhat of a nice guy. Uh, yeah, Top Gun. Oh yeah, Total that's Recall, right. He wasn't a bad guy either, was he? In Total Recall. Yes, he was. Yeah. In Total no, Recall. he was a total jerk in Total Recall. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was mm-hmm. until re- the original. Yeah, that's right. Swear, right. Yeah. I mean, Vicky, you might have seen him anyway. I mean, he's a Canadian actor anyway, and living up where we live, we used to watch a lot of Canadian TV series and stuff like True, that. True, that's so maybe you, what I'm thinking. You could have popped into the Beachcombers for all we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about the Beachcombers. Oh my God. Oh, I forgot been, about that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, but a, a remote viewing was a big thing, wasn't it? You know, back in the 50s when they were starting to see the potential of the mind, you know, and that quote, you know, like we only use 10%, you know, I'm just saying, what, what, where is the other 90%? Is that in like some kind of cloud? Uh, well, they I'm say just, that's not yeah, real now. Yeah, yeah. Back then they thought, well, I still think only some people use 10% of their brain, if not less. But yeah. I, they, they're saying that that was a bad guesstimate back then. And we really do use more of it than they actually thought. I don't know where that 10% came from. No, that's weird. But really, I do know that we have plenty more to explore and use if we so choose. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, and, yeah. Universal. The answer to your question, Michael Ironside was a regular in a Canadian TV show called the little hobo. Oh my God. I knew I saw him somewhere else. <laughs> but Vicky and I would have that little hobo. Channel 13 <laughs> or channel 11. Channel 11, yeah. The lowest hobo. Those were our only stations, 1 to 13, and two of them were Kanucky stations. Yeah. So. And I love their stations. Little hobo was kind of like a German Shepherd version of Lassie. Yeah. But, but he would tra- he would travel around like the fugitive from town oh, to town and help little families out as he's, yeah, as, he's just, as he's running from town to town. And they're always like Canadian towns dressed up as American towns, so, sort of thing. So. so what about yourself, James? What do you think of Scanners? Um, well, uh, I didn't realize it was Canadian until I started uh, researching some of the actors like uh, Stephen Lack and uh, uh, Michael Ironside, and I noticed they were all from uh, Canada, uh, Canada. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, I haven't seen the movie since the early 80s, actually. And then uh, I ordered it and I rewatched it and I was, uh, there's a lot I forgot. And uh, I thought Which it was really- was that, Scanners? Scanners and Videodrome. And I had Videodrome. to order them from England because I couldn't get them here in the United States. Because <clears throat> well, they uh, were saw... banned, weren't they? Originally, they weren't banned. I think so. You could stream them. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And then, you could uh, stream. Yeah. Uh, they just arrived yesterday, thank God, so I could watch them <laughs> again. But uh, um, I like Scanners. It's like what John was saying. It kind of reminded me of the mutants. Uh, like they were being hunted down and everything like that in, in scanners, but it kind of, it was like a, a power play between uh, telepathic and who was the strongest. And here I forgot all about that. Then ended up, they were both brothers, uh, Cameron and Ravik. Yeah. And uh, dun, the dun, ending, dun. the ending, the ending was like, wow, I forgot all about the ending. That was a really <laughs> good ending. Yeah. yeah. So I, mean, I actually, I, even though it was done in 1981, I actually enjoyed the movie a lot. Um, you know, it kept me going through the whole thing. So I really, uh, I really enjoy them. But man, the younger crowd, like I said, I was watching these in the, in the back room. My daughter's been staying with me for a while. She goes, this isn't what I had in mind when I said watching a movie. I mean, it's just like, oh, this is good <laughs> stuff. Oh, what's wrong with you? Well, you know, when uh, you grew up in the 80s, uh, that was the technology of the time, such as in Videodrome, you know? Yeah. uh, It does seem, I mean, I guess we get so, I don't know, James, you might agree. I think we get so spoiled to CGI, you know, like the new Godzilla, you know, you guys, you you see, I mean, this is just 
really cool stuff that they're putting out now. But I mean, it's so fun to revisit all this old stuff, though. It might be cheesy, but it's still a lot of fun. You know? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. Well, I didn't think it was. So it's, it's not even campy. You can't mm. say it's campy. You know, I mean, yeah. but where do you put I it? I was say that. Um, I think with Cronenberg stuff, I think that it ages very, very well because oh, there's. I agree. It's still yeah. very, very disturbing. There's something very, very disturbing yeah. about Cronenberg. I mean, another thing that give you an idea about Cronenberg and about his filming technique is that his film is made with Canadian taxpayers' money. Oh, you know, the, 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 Canadian really? film, the Canadian Film Board, yes. And what happens is Canada decides that they wanted to um, invest in a film industry. So the taxpayers would pay a tax to help develop filming in Canada. And David Cronenberg, The Brood, is made with Canadian tax money. Black Christmas is made with American... Love t- that um, movie. Um, <laughs> Amer- but isn't Canadian it cheaper to film in Canada? You guys would know that better. Still, than yeah. Well, well, America, yeah, but at this time, you got to look at the 70s and 80s. So basically, at this time, Canadian films were considered in, in America as foreign films. Yeah. And so basically, Canada said, we, well, we want to compete um, for, the, you know, for the international market. And so that's why they started the Canadian Film Board. But it would, but it must have been quite interesting when the taxpayers are giving David Cronenberg this money and he's coming out with stuff like Parasite, The Brood, Scanners, <laughs> yeah. um, Videodrome is also paid with taxpayers, but we'll get into later. But, I didn't um, know that. So when, when you think of, I'm sure that the taxpayers and the go- the Canadian government, when they were thinking of like, you know, making Canadian films, I don't think, I wonder what they really thought when the Cronenberg stuff actually started coming out. And I mean, they, you know, they were starting to make, you know, he was getting an underground current. Um, Scanners is the one that would set him over the top. This is basically what's going to give him his American contract to give him more budgets and more things. And this, this right. of course, would lead to this, of course, would lead to Dead Zone and, of course, other films that he made, The Fly, so on and so forth. Oh, wow. He does seem scanner. to have a certain. You can always tell it's his film. Though, <clears throat> you guys think, even without looking to see who directed it, you know it's him. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I also there's, think there's there's more leeway for like a special effects when you get into like sci-fi and things like that and when you're actually doing things it's it's though you know it's not real it's more believable mm-hmm. but the effects for this movie is fantastic i mean even the, the prosthetics when they put on their face and they're actually doing that you know that uh, pulsating sort of almost you know near gushing veins exposure um when you, go in, you know he old, used two burgers in that guy's yeah. head to blow it up there was yeah. hamburgers and then by the way he tried to blow it up and it didn't <laughs> he didn't get the effect that he wanted so wasn't he there a guy actually, underneath the shotgun john yeah. it says when yeah. other explosive techniques failed to give the desired effect special effects supervisor gary seller told the crew to roll the cameras and get inside their trucks and doors and lock the, and close their windows he laid down behind the dummy and shot the back of the head with the shotgun. Whoa. So that's how you get the boom, like look to it. But I hope everybody was down. <laughs> Excuse me. Didn't uh, didn't anybody notice that uh, scanners opened up uh, a lot of doors for some of the actor there, actors there, like Steve Lack, uh, Patrick yes. McGowan. Um, he, Patrick was in uh, Dr. Ruth, who played Dr. Ruth. He was in yeah. Lionheart. I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. He played uh, Edward Longshanks yeah. in Braveheart. Yeah. That's what he did. Braveheart, that's it. Yeah. And then uh, Michael Ironside, well, Top Gun, Total Recall, yep. Coven. 
bad guy in everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I haven't Dr. seen him Ruth. until then. Doctors, every time they would say his name, I would think. I know. Oh, I did a double take. Oh, I was looking I for Doctor Ruth. Yeah. Can they not have given him a different name? I know that messed with my head. <laughs> I there's there's the same thing, John. There's always this this subversive uh, uh, the, these subversive themes with uh, with Cronenberg and specific. Well, th- this one not so much sex. This one had more of the uh, in Videodrome. We get more into the sexual subver- uh, uh, subversive themes. But yeah, I, I would not be shocked if Doctor Ruth was actually <laughs> actually like a dig at her in some way. I don't know. Um, and this wasn't more a sexual. It was more like corporate big farm mystery. This is like, like a big farm situation about what are you, what are you trying to create. You know, it's another huge Cronenberg theme is uh, is corporate greed because we also see that in Videodrome later on, yeah. and it's front it's front and center here. Um, it's mystery too. Yeah, yeah. There's a, he's you know, you, Vicky. You were totally spot on about this because he has like a style like no one else at his time like you like you said you throw on a Cronenberg movie you will know it's a Cronenberg movie yeah. immediately because of the the theme the um the anti-corporate themes the sexual themes the um he's not afraid to go there let's put it that way the horror like yeah. even going back to like shivers uh he's always had like he's always made these magnificent body horror movies um so yeah he's He's fantastic, and this was this was probably it's been when I watched it yesterday. Probably been about fifteen years or so, at least since the last time I had seen it. And man, it still holds up. Like the effects, yeah. okay, the, the effects are what they are. And when, whenever anybody says scanners, you immediately think of you know the head explosion scene. That's probably the most famous thing from it. But right, I guess you know when I when I'm watching it, when I was actually probably more than fifteen years, I remember renting the VHS in the nineties. Uh, watching it as a teenager, you don't see all the themes that he's putting in there, and uh, especially the um, uh, all the anti corporate stuff really like stood out to me now because it's something that it stands knowing- out now, but didn't when you're younger. Like I would have never thought that in the eighties, corporate nothing, you know. Oh, or even in the nineties, in the uh, nineties, uh, rather, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, this is super cool. This is probably the most uh, straightforward uh, story I've ever seen of any Cronenberg movie. Because his, his films, usually there's so much subtext. This one, I think, just kind of hits you and just goes for it. Um, we'll, we'll get into subtext later because there's a lot of subtext in video. Right. But, um, yeah, with this one, I just felt like this was just a straightforward action sci-fi movie, which uh, I guess is why I liked it so much as a teenager and then liked it again now upon revisiting it. It's a fantastic little movie. I was watching, they were talking about this drug that made these kids scanners that was deliberately given to them. Keith, you might remember what this drug was. Do you remember, somebody had compared the two for some reason. I, when, you know, when, when I read stuff. Yes, that, that, that drug, that the one that made ba- that babies were born. Uh, what's it called? Thalidomide? Yeah, Thalidomide, yeah. Yeah, somebody, I was reading, well, yeah. I, when I read stuff, I know John likes to read on the movies and too, like I do, but I was coming up with that. I don't know why thalidomide kept going through my mind after I read that, but I mean, it does kind of seem like he's kind of nodding to that. I don't know, because that, that was such a big deal back even in the early 80s. Stuff. They outlawed mm-hmm. it. Well, Cronenberg yeah. also has a thing of uh, what relative theme is a distrust of science anyway. That kind of runs yeah. through mm-hmm. his 
films as well. What's kind of interesting about Scanners, when you do a little bit of research on it, you realize that he did not have a finished script when he was filming. He was writing the script like the day before. before Four o'clock until 7 a.m. That's wild. And then he had to just drive around looking for things to film because of the... What what you said, Keith, about the financial um, like obligations? Yeah, uh, limitations. There's so much that goes into it. God, I mean, it's just not you know just to pop up. It's like the day before, and you're still you know ready to. It, it's yeah. it's just. Well, I mean, if you look at other films that they kind of done that with it, you can you just you know there's nothing that hangs the film together. They're always like complete messes. But then Cronenberg does it with almost everything he does, and he just comes out with pure magic. So yeah. it works. I think, I mean, I do think David Cronenberg has um, a very complicated brain. I don't think it, I don't think his brain works the rest of all, I I don't think it works like the rest of our brains work. Even when you see him in um, interviews and stuff like this, he's just very, very, it's kind of like a Spock character. Very, everything's very, very logical in his, in his sense of being what his world is. And he, you know, and, and that's what's, and that, you know, like when you say, you know, the brood and shivers and so on and so forth. When you do look at any of his films, all his films are all based in a understandable logic. It might not be a logic that you understand, but, you know, let's take the fly, for instance. The fly should not work at what, yeah, right. but it works in Cronenberg yeah. logic. Now, if anyone else did that, that film would not have worked whatsoever. It doesn't matter yeah. if you have the same screenplay and it, so on and so forth. Do you think that, that David Lynch might have had some yeah, kind David of... Lynch. Mulholland Drive, I was thinking. Or, or even a racer head or anything. Do you think that any of that might have had some kind of They're all they're all I think they're all children of the same the same um the same era. If you look at Cronenberg, Lynch, they're all the same age, they're all coming out with the same stuff at the same time, sort of thing. They're all kind of you know, a bit like you know, when you get like Spielberg and all that stuff coming rising up at the same time, Brian <coughs> Thomas and all those. You know, there are general themes that run through their films, but you know and George Lucas and so on and so forth these you know uh, you know these are like the Hollywood brats or the Hollywood kids sort of thing but then you have the independent kids and David Lynch and David Cronenberg and um, there's quite a few of them that fall underneath that independent label sort of thing that are coming out with stuff that's not Hollywood ready not Hollywood right this is I mean you know scanners it's not pretty Scanners is something that Hollywood never make. Yeah, that, like, that's a film that, uh, you know, a and of course, when we <laughs> talked about the next one, you know that Hollywood never would have made that either. It's but like a, um, it's not Hollywood; it's Hollywoodn't. Yeah, Hollywood. Exactly. Yes, there you go. Good one. It's, it's also something about the way you know this film. It kind of, I mean, it is part of what sci-fi is about too. Is not necessarily overly explaining the science to it. And yeah. this, it's like it starts out with this person out of nowhere who's a homeless person who is offending these women. And you just kind of get plopped in the story. And then once it starts to evolve, there's in this overcomplicated, we need to explain who they are, what they are, why they're here. And you're kind of just along on this journey and this ride. Whereas I think Hollywood does that. We need to bring the scientist who talks about, you know, let's go back to when we were in the last year, we were talking about nuclear and every scene was, okay, let's bring in the doctors. We're going to explain everything and exposition. And then you're like, fucking kill me. Like, I don't need exposition. Just let me go on this journey, right? And you, you get to the point where this is, you kind of feel a little bit lost. 
first, but then you realize, right. oh, I'm lost with everyone else. And that's okay. And I'm, I'm learning <laughs> what these people are and then who they are. It and does the kind connection. of like kind of have to fall into place a little yeah, bit. But you get, I mean, Hollywood is explaining to death what it is, why it functions. Uh, that's why the that's people a good talk point. about aliens and stuff. Like, I don't need overcomplicated ex- exposition yeah. of science fiction. Just go with it and have fun. Don't yeah. explain everything because that's how you pick things apart. And yeah. that's when it doesn't work. <laughs> I think that's also where Cronenberg expects his audiences to be intelligent. Yeah, exactly. Where I think, yeah. you know, where I think when it comes to big budget or Hollywood, they think that they're, you know, the people who are watching these are stupid. We're not going to, you know, so therefore we need to explain everything. Appeal to where the masses. Cronenberg's like, my audience is intelligent, so I'm going to treat them like they're intelligent. Yeah. So yeah. here we go. And then you've, you, know, you and like when you leave, you put it together when you leave. That's up to you to put together and figure out whatever's going yeah. on. But you know, that's yeah. up to you because you're the audience. When you come into the cinema, have you read Kierkegaard? No, we'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you know, the formation too of the relationships in this film are very unique too because usually it always starts with a love story. Like it starts kind of. with people falling in love and there's that attachment and connection. And when you see, Technically, Jennifer and, um, I'm sorry, Kim and Cameron are the ones that are drawn to each other, but that's not, it's not really a love story. And that's kind of what I like about it is that it is a fight or flight survival thing and they need each other to kind of survive the situation that's happening to them. The love story is kind of interesting. It's more with the doctor, Ruth and Cameron. I felt because there was this like odd connection that, he kind of helps him come out of his psychosis, but he did it in order to kind of use him and manipulate him. I was so going to thought... say, he didn't really seem like he had purity of friendship in mind. But but at the end, if you think about it, the way he dies is he kind of atones for it because he knows like he screwed him over royally and now he used him so badly that he might end up dying because of him. And so I forget the douchebag that shoots him. Um he was he was a douche. I can't. Who was the guy that was like the director? You know, what I'm talking about the guy who was like the director that was kind of helping. Um, yeah, what was his name? Uh, I, I, he was helping the uh, first hand man. Yeah, he's the guy who was the evil senator, National Lampoon senior trip. I can't remember. Yes. Name. So oh I, it was God. kind of interesting to see him come and let him shoot him and kill him because I think he was so broken down by what he had actually did. Like he had a chance to help him, right and thing. it just it just backfired. Right. So, but I saw, I thought that was interesting because usually, like I said, every story is around a love story and here it's these people and this right. couple right. and then it's, it's, it's not That's threaded like, in this that way. Was that well, Lawrence? That, that basically that, yeah, that Keller. Yeah. Keller was yeah. the character. Keller. Keller. Yeah. Yeah. Lawrence okay. Dane, right. But there's also that theme that we also get with um, this film also is that man thinks they're so bright and they're so wonderful that it can control every nature and they can control everything around them. And you find out that man can't control anything. No. You know, basically, you know, man, you know, man is trying to control science, but science ends up controlling man. Man tries to, you know, control the, the environment, tries to control nature, but nature and the environment end up owning man at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, One of I the hardest about- lessons as an adult to learn. You cannot control Anything. Well, oh, everything. Well, Frederick, Frederick Nietzsche basically said that um, that the human race will never evolve because the human race suffers from <clears throat> ego. Yeah, true. Well, sort of thing. Yep. Um, and so basically, and and I guess that you know that's another thing with scanners that you do realize 
listeners as well is, is that basically it's, a, it's basically science this guy who thinks he can control the science around him and he has two children as well like controlling parent has two children they control them and of course the, ch- the children break away and they you know sort of thing that's what we give with the dr ruth character as well yeah. basically is like this controlling father thinks he can control these his science experiment which are his children and of course too much control the child sits there and goes in the other direction don't they so Cameron was more intense when he was using his brain as opposed to Kim though she was just kind of really female about it being nonchalant he was just Uh, I I beg to differ when she literally lit two people on fire like I was like you go girl because he was like he was grabbing people with his mind all she did was like what and the whoosh and they like lit on fire. <laughs> well, she didn't. Like, she didn't really crap. make all the. She wasn't making all the grimacing faces or anything. No, my my point being is she was clearly more powerful because she knew how to control it. Cameron was. Still oh, that's learning. true. That's he true. was still learning. Remember, he sat in that kumbaya circle of trying to like you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like so trying to go into the space of the you know the safe space, and then one gets blasted. The moment that one person got blasted. All she did was give a look, and those two people. What was that? What was that supposedly? Were they all just trying to mind meld? Like I think they were trying to. What was going on? I think they were trying to mentally connect because that's how they were controlling it, not a drug, right? right? So the the mental connection between scanners is what helped them to. But it makes them oblivious to their surroundings, so they can't defend themselves. Correct. She she knew when an unborn child was scanning her as well, which kind of. A little bit creepy. She was, she was strong. That's what I'm telling you. She was a strong woman, man. She yeah. could use that power, man. Yeah, the baby was like, buy me some sweets. Bionic baby. Yeah. <laughs> Get me to the sweet shop. <laughs> yeah. Now, has anyone ever seen any of these sequels that came out after this film? No, like Scanners 2, The New Order from 1991, or Scanners 3, The Takeover? I was thinking about catching one or two. I think I saw two. I think I definitely saw two. I think they were straight to video at the time, I think. I think. Scanner Cop and Scanners the Show. Was any good? 1995. Probably not. Uh, I don't remember. I remember, remember um, basically tried to sue the companies for using the word scanners, but because they, by that time, um, scanners went into a um, production deal that gave him money to be able to fund Videodrome, he kind of sold his rights away a little bit. Oh, no, I didn't know that. So so that's what happened there. Now, interestingly enough, in February 2007, the director of Saw 2, 3, and 4 wanted to do a remake um and basically with dimension films and the weinstein company then basically what they found out is that he cronenberg said you're not yeah you're, my permission is not granted so the, the director and the production company backed up cronenberg was not backing it but there was talks of a tv series in development in 2011 that's also kind of went the wayside as well as cronenberg's like no you're not doing that that's sort of like what's being really what was i talking about joe that's getting released seven times the seventh release of what was it fair oh, normal activity, activity. I, I didn't know, know there were that many. Yeah. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. There's so many. Yeah. It's now the it's like the third cousin, fifth time removed now in the standard. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they have to go through a time portal to go back to the beginning is telling you oh, how man. fucking looped out crazy this shit is. Like it's just it's that's because no, too crazy. That's, surprisingly enough, the two actors in the original paranormal, no one's hiring them. It's a bit like the cast of um Blair Witch, isn't it? Yeah, right. John Leonard gets used every once in a while. The yeah. um Scanners the musical, maybe you know. Scanners the musical. Could I also know. think Scanners is for that time, though. Right? Only matter of time. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's a musical, Keith will know about it. Yeah, well, you know, hey, a, a one of the best, <laughs> oh, one of the best musicals I've seen is the musical. 
And I'm not, you know, you can't dish that. This one? Carrie the musical. (laughs) No, Carrie. I haven't seen that. It's brilliant. Actually, it's brilliant. Buy me some sweets. (laughs) (laughs) The musical. (laughs) (laughs) Buy me some sweets, the musical. Featuring featuring the white cargo van. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. This brings us to Videodrome. It's a 1983 Canadian science fiction body horror film written and directed by David Cronenberg and starring James Wood, Sanja Smith, and Debbie Harry. Set in Toronto during the early 1980s, it follows the CEO of a small UHF television station. UHF for the children at home used to be channels that were um, we had the U on them, just in case. um, I miss UHF. This made me feel like getting an old TV and trying to find some UHF. (laughs) (laughs) The television station is some of the on a broadcast signal featuring violence and torture. There's a deception in my control conspiracy unfold as he uncovers the signal source and loses touch reality in a series of increasingly bizarre hallucinations. This was distributed by Universal Pictures. Videodrome was the first film by Cronenberg to gain backing from any major Hollywood studio. With the highest budget of any of his films to date, the film was a box office bomb, recouping only $2.1 million from a $5.9 million budget. The film received praise for the special makeup effects, Cronenberg's direction, Woods and um, Harry's performance, its techno-surrealistic aesthetic, and its cryptic psychosexual themes. Cronenberg won the Best Direction Award and was nominated for seven other awards at the Fifth Genie Awards, which is the, uh, the Canadian Oscars. Now considered a cult classic, the film has been cited as one of Cronenberg's best and a key example of the body horror and science fiction horror genres. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Videodrome and be right back. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. 
Welcome back to the Leisure Legends Podcast. We're discussing Videodrome from 1983. And starting with you, James, what are your thoughts on Videodrome? Um, I liked uh, Videodrome with the way it uh, took the technology of the time and uh, used it as... Um, it, uh, it used it as like a, a, a between good and evil kind of uh, means. Um, it was... It was uh, it was different. I, I think it was one of James Woods' early early films. Yeah. And uh, I think Against All Odds was the second one. I can't remember now. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's now producer, director, actor of many many films ever since uh, Videodrome, and uh, you know Cat's Eye, uh, Jobs, uh, White House Down, uh, <clears throat> Bling. Uh, he has the same attitude of his uh, characteristics of acting throughout all these films since this Videodrome. It's the same way he's acted like in Cat's Eye, that uh, corporate um, direct look, stare, the way he would talk to people. is It's the same. He's still like way. that. Yes, And he, he is. still acts like that. He is. He's, I don't even, it's not method acting. It's just James Woods <laughs> acting. You know, he just, yeah. he just, Plows right through. I love him. He's always in his high school. He's in high school in Quahog, Massachusetts, that the Family Guy um, kids go to. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, again, this is one of those films that I saw when I was uh, when it came out when I was really young, and I forgot a lot about it until I recently rewatched it. Mm. And uh, it is neat to see, like, oh, I remember cars like that, and uh, you know, a lot of Monte Carlos in this movie, and. Uh, the technology at the time of like the push button, the VHS tapes. Oh, I know. Just didn't that make you salivate when you saw the yeah. big VHS thingy? You know, uh-huh. you just push, and it probably had a four header on it too. Remember yeah. that? It, <laughs> the, the the guy who invented the video drum, or supposedly, uh, he was had his whole life memory and everything. It was, it was like his mind was all on VHS. and 10,000 tapes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that'd be DVDs now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or chips. But uh, it, it was, uh, for that time, it was a good movie, how they played on how technology was evolving. And I kind of had a relationship to it because uh, I was going through college at that time, well, high school, but when I moved into the late 80s, I was going into college and I was a oh, designer. You're a survivor too. I went to yeah. high school and college in the 80s. But <laughs> it, it was like uh, it was like the beginning dawn of the computer's age yeah. at that time. Because when I was a designer, we had to do it, lay it, lay it out. And then DRS all of a sudden, 80s. yeah, when I went into <laughs> college, I had to learn to redo all the layout on computer. And uh uh, that's what it was like. Remind me of the beta, the VHS, and the, 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 those uh, little the computers were huge back yes. then. They had the big screen, there was no color, and then the uh-huh. Apple came out. Oh my God, it's a green screen! Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. Video drum was a good uh, like uh, the internet even came out then, and it was a good mind play on what could you know possibly far fetched yeah. could happen uh, with people. What the future might, yeah. Yes. Old premises, <laughs> it was pirate TV from a UHF, you know, illegally broadcasting, too. Yeah. And that went on back then, too. I mean, that was real, as you guys mm-hmm. know. So it was yeah. pretty interesting, though. I do yeah. know one thing, though, if you want to get rid of your adult children, just show the one scene with that the big vagina 
in his vagina his chest stomach, and they put that video in there. It's like, bam, your adult kids are out of the room. I, I took that. <laughs> I took that as a VHS slot. It was. Yeah. It was gnarly. That was, was gnarly. Close. I'm sorry. That but, was uh, just gross. <laughs> but you know, it's fun. It's funny how, uh, like, I have some. I have children, and uh, how that. This video drum really makes it. I look at my kids when they play video games. Yeah. And they go nuts when they lose or they can't figure out the secret yeah. and everything. And I'm just like, oh, well, yeah. this is even this with is cheats. like a mind play here. Yeah. It, it's actually really happening with the kids and the video games. Yeah. Man, yeah. I had to click that button though. My grandson's here. It's just like, oh shit, I forgot about this. Click. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean, forgot when, it was me- like. Well, we were just getting really, burned on her chest with her with the cigarettes. Yes, oh she was kinky in this, but you gotta love her. I, I've oh, always yeah, been I a huge her. fan of her. Oh yeah. my god, I loved her in this. Debbie, she and did it's great. Good that she's actually able to give a good, solid acting performance as well. Yeah. She was excellent. It wasn't your typical pop star in a movie. No, nope. you know, she actually yeah. gave a really good performance. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and you totally believed her. That, that, yeah. that's, 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 yeah. that's one thing all of them were totally believable even just um the swag you know yeah. that, that max had with these women and you know he just like so hey the one thing that maybe you guys can help me with this okay technically was he imagining debbie harry had he already been messed up with the the videodrome you know affliction in the, in the beginning she was there yeah huh in the beginning, she was there. She when was she leaves there from Pittsburgh, beginning. when she leaves from Pittsburgh, she's killed in Pittsburgh. Right. And everything after that is just him imagining her. But I would also say, I wonder if she was part of the video drama. I was well, wondering he, that too. He, she watched it too. Right. So the two of them sat together and watched it together. So I'm wondering after that, did it do more to her that we just didn't see? Because she had inter- encounters with him, and every time she had c- encounters, they watched something new and it became almost like an obsession between the two right. of them. And for her, she wasn't like him drawn away from it. She was drawn towards it. So she would have went faster into that abyss. What'd she say? She said she was made for this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's, you're right, John, because when they were, uh, when uh, Max was piercing her ear, he kind of flashed to where he was. And it was like some, that. Another, another scene yeah. my daughter ran yeah. out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> But she was like, you could tell that that side of her was, you know, definitely more of the kink to it than than to yeah. him. For him, it was like interesting. And it was more from, I think from his perspective, it was, I want to give my audience something new, right? And so I was all right. about the consumerism, which is watching this film was, it's, it's interesting. It's so forward thinking that I don't think he knew how forward thinking it is because now I do believe you are what you consume, right? And then well, I think the that- reality is shaped by what you consume. And so it's really fascinating to watch this and be like, holy shit, he hit with spot on. Like, was spot Masha on. his older friend? Was that was it the older friend? Was Ma- that his, She did the soft porn, the-, the Japanese soft porn lady? Yes, that was Masha. Masha. Okay, yeah. she tried to warn him. And okay, was she really dead in his bed or was no, that in his bed? That's where I was starting to wonder. I go, okay, am I getting confused here? Well, but you could also assume that she was part of the video drum too because it, she was in that industry and maybe she came across it and she inadvertently watched it. It's almost like the way I look it? at it is like the movie The Ring. Like if you watch it, you're screwed. Like you're part of the video drum right. one way or another, right. you're going to get pulled into it. 
And I think the more you watch or the more you get intrigued by it, the more you get consumed by the Videodrome or you go into the Videodrome. So it does become kind of vague in a weird way, though, because I'm sitting, okay, what's real? What's actually happening? What's James Wood really experiencing? Uh, Because when he pulls the puts the gun in his his stomach cavity. okay, is that is he really doing that? Is he imagining that? No, he's imagining that. He's He's imagining that's all in his head. I would say like a, a very interesting part would be towards the end when the the guy who betrays him, Harlan, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Harlan betrays him and he goes, I got something to give you now. And he goes to give him something that his hand gets ripped off. That's where I was a little like, what is Harlan seeing that he's giving him? Is it like, is it just like, I'm going to act like I'm giving well, him Well, he's never command. watched the movie, remember? No, but I'm saying at one point he goes back to Harlan. This is when he now is like a servant of the flesh, right? Right. He goes back to him and he's like, what are you here for? And he goes, are you here to give me, are you here for me to give you something else? Oh, I have something else for you. And he pulls out the flesh tape, right? But what is he pulling out? What is Harlan pulling out that he's like, I'm going to give you something else and to shove into side him, right? Right. Or is he just, is he just envisioning that? Because he does end up mutilating him. So that's what I'm trying to, that's what he reprogrammed at that point by Oblivion's (laughs) daughter. Yeah, he was. But that's what I'm saying. It crossed over. So something crossed over to where now Harlan's like, what the hell just happened to me? Did he stick his hand inside of him or did he just mutilate his hand? Like, I, yeah. I didn't understand. It gets kind of... Kind but of I, I mean, I went with it. You just kind of have to go with it. At this right. point, it becomes well, more did. avant-garde and you just kind of are like, oh, this is really interesting. And now I'm on this like crazy psychedelic journey. I was just trying to journey. figure out what was real and what wasn't. That's all. Because I, I, mean, I don't think, it's quite, I I think, don't think you can make a video drum about that could be quite interesting is, is that up until 1958, it was legal to have subliminal messages put into your programming, whether it was television. True. Yeah. Film, I forgot about that. Before. That's true. Um, in 1958, the UK and America and Australia banned it, but it's still very much, you can still, it's not against the law in Canada and throughout Europe and throughout Asia. So, mm-hmm. so maybe, you know, another thing is there is a thing as subliminal messages. And apparently there's a lot of controversy about this, whether that's true or not. And you could say that the video drum link has, would be, have a subliminal message that would make someone think such and such. And that's how it would use the brain the brainwashing situation. Yeah. By using subliminal. Now, another thing um, that psycho, um, you know, from a psychiatric point of view, if a person watches too much porn, apparently this um, has an effect on their sexual being, which causes their libido to be less increased by this when it comes to actual sexual contact between people. Where basically the only time that they can um, actually have it kind of sexual satisfaction is watching more and more porn because what happens to their view on reality and sexual relationships and a healthy sexual relationship um, situation becomes um, degenerate, degenerative, which is what they find at the moment, which causes the reason why like now there are clinics opening up where people are watching too much porn that now they have to actually be reprogrammed to figure out that basically this is not what you should be. It, well, watching. it's not reality too, right? So there's there's a great Black um, Black Mirror episode where it's a doctor mm-hmm. who is given a new technology that's implanted in him in order to feel what the patient's feeling. So that way they can pinpoint more what's going on in that person's body. But what happens is, is a doctor gets, it becomes almost like a feeling of enjoyment. And so when he's hurting someone, he wants that feeling. So he ends up like be making it sexual. He ends up taking it home and, and putting it on 
that how he figures out pain and sex are similar. Like he actually is with his, his girlfriend and she cuts herself and that feeling he gets, it's now become an impulse that he needs to feed. So he ends up, it ends up going down a very dark road of causing pain and inflicting pain to himself to get that feeling because he just can't get enough of what that feeling is. Mm. So it's, it's yeah, interesting. What were you going to say? I think this because there's been a rise in young people looking at extreme sex online. Yeah, uh, is there extreme sex online still? It's like oh, fetish. Yeah. It's a fetish. Yeah, <laughs> I Dom. thought people got bored with it. I mean, I, get, I think it depends on your definition of extreme too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Snow White, no. Um, <laughs> Encourage. Um, but the, the psychosexual side of the film, I found it quite intriguing. Like it was, it really, it just made, made me wonder. And I thought of um, the, the the lady who was with the cigarette butts and uh, is it Nikki? Nikki, uh, yeah. 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 Nikki. yeah, Nikki, yeah, Nikki Brand. It made me think yeah. of this of a photographer called Nan Golden, um, okay. and she's quite well known in in. Um, in the eighties, for doing um, a, a, a piece called uh, "Nan One Month After Being Battered," and basically, yeah. she got her her lover to uh, hit her as hard as he could, um, and they would basically spur each other on through um, the pa- the passion of jealousy, basically. And then she'd document it and do self portraits, uh, beat and black and blue sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, pretty heavy. I um, that, so yeah. it's pretty. Yeah. Um, it was quite. Um, extreme really. yeah quite intriguing yeah. um and it was called the, i think she did the work called the ballad of sexual dependency <laughs> um and um yeah it just got me thinking um what people would do you know yeah, for behind closed the doors <laughs> well it's also you're always pushing the envelope to what you consume so right like if you watch the same thing over and over you like a horror like we i think for the most part i could say we are all pretty desensitized when it comes to horror Whereas imagine one person who watches a movie and, and like, I have a friend who was like, oh, you need to see, I can't remember what movie it was. It, like, to me, it was so innocent. She was like, oh my God, I could never, uh, I, I would just have nightmares for days. And I'm like, what? I'm like, for that movie? And like, what the hell? <laughs> what type of, per-? and then I'm like, oh, I forget. I'm pretty sadistic. I've watched a lot of really <laughs> sick and twisted crap that I'm like now like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like I'll watch something and like, mm, you know. I know that's like when I see other women that like this stuff. It's like, oh, goody, another girl. You know, yeah. because <laughs> I was seriously. Saying, it's I interesting just, that somebody uh, asked me if yeah. I've ever seen the cult classic Taxi Driver, and I'm like, cult yeah. classic. Oh, cult classic. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I to you maybe movie, actually, yeah. if all yeah. you've ever watched is like severely mainstream stuff, then yeah, I guess mm. maybe Taxi Driver's a cult cult movie yeah. to you. But, yeah. But I mean, I guess that's another thing as well is, is that basically once you open the door anyway, you always get a top, you know, let's sit there and say, you know, whether, whether it's celebrity or whatever, you always have to top it, isn't it? You know, you start out with like, you know, if, even if you look at horror, you know, let's say that you like gore in your horror films. So you kind of like, you know, your first experience might be Friday 13th sort of thing. And then what you have to do is then you look for the next glorious and the next glorious. And then, yeah. then pretty soon, and, and you see it on the horror um, fan pages on, you know, social media and stuff like this where they're looking for the next big thing thing and the thing that's pushed that because you know know, you're looking for the next thing and the same thing is is like you know if you are it's not coming from the state if you're into that that. an open sexual mindedness anyway and you like to experiment you're always looking for the next level 
And this right. is pretty much what we get with the James Wood character. He's looking for the next thing and he has to top himself. You know, he's got, you know, he's got soft porn playing on his channel at the moment. Now he needs a little bit of hardcore porn. Then he got yeah. hard, and then you get hardcore porn. Okay. Now, okay. Now people are seeing this. Now we need to go for this level and then yeah, this level. Right. Snuff level, level where it's like, Jesus. Snuff porn. I, I really want to get a VHS tape that pulsates and <laughs> the pulsating TV. That TV is fantastic when he like sticks his head inside of it uh, it's cool how they they were trying to come up with as like a dental dam or something and they were projecting on the other side which i was i was wondering how they're doing that i was like really cool yeah Mm. that was weird to say when i saw this at the movie theaters when it opened i mean i guess i was 17 at that time and i'd sit there and say that if i can't this film for me out of all the Cronenberg films. This is the one that kind of always scratches my conscious, my subconsciousness. It's always kind of there's a scratching at the back of it, making me feel a bit e- uneasy. Um, and it was I, an uncomfortable movie here and there. Yeah, and, it, and I have to sit there and say it still lives up to that. I watched the um, high definition version of this, and I have to sit there and say for a 1983 film to suffer the glare of high definition, this film did a very good job with it. <laughs> because normally it's like, you know, when you, when you get an older film, it, high yeah. definition, it goes one or two ways. It's like, uh-oh. And as I say, this film, I mean, the effects and everything, even like the, you know, the vagina, um, the, the penis gun and, the, you know, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And oh, that's right. Through it. Mm-hmm. Outside of one one shot where basically you can tell it's a fake hand, the rest of it was all very, very, I mean, high definition. It still looked very, very good. Yeah, you know? good. And, you know, I have to say the special effects have really held well over time. And the, and the themes in this are, I mean, I have to say the themes haven't really deteriorated at all over time as well. The themes are pretty much relevant today. I don't I think, think nothing's more changed. relevant today. Yeah, because even the church, even the church, when they're in the church and they're actually being consuming like media like that has become more important than food like so i don't know if you guys all like caught that i was like what the hell why are they all in it like i thought it was like a shelter and you see everyone just sitting in there like watching TV. that was like, weird wasn't it no but that that kind of speaks or echoes to now like how many people young kids would rather have a phone and watch something than eat food they would they would they're like oh i can get mcdonald's for a dollar whatever i but yeah. my 15 dollar subscription a month for youtube oh i have to have that no like there's no way i can't have my content yeah. right the thing i'm shocked nobody nobody here has touched on yet is how this movie kind of predicted social media in a way oh god yeah, yeah. 100%. because you have you have brian oblivion whose entire consciousness is yes. now is now just little bites of things that he said. And it's kind of like looking at somebody's post on Facebook. You have those people who you will see, they'll, they'll post something controversial and then disappear. And there will be people fighting in the comments over it, yeah. and you'll never hear from them again. They are like Ryan Oblivion, who is just speaking in monologues. He's not having yeah. a conversation. He's giving you a monologue, and then you yeah. guys could decipher it any way you want because he's gone. He's left the room. He's never but really. You don't there. know he's gone, Joe, at that time, though. You find out from his daughter later that he's gone. But isn't that like social media where someone's, what Joe's saying is that they'll point, they'll, they'll say something controversial. Everyone's arguing. The person who did the post is nowhere to be found. No one yeah. else. That would be me. Well, no, it's, it's funny because. TV. It's funny <laughs> because he will not someone... appear on TV unless it's on TV. He's yeah. got to be on a TV in a TV 
because he doesn't want to fucking converse with you. Yeah, he wants exactly. to come after. He wants to say what he wants to say, and then <laughs> without you being able to respond, right, and like not having that like back and forth conversation. Yeah, because good it's, point, Joe. Good. It point. is. It is interesting because they were saying how during like elections and things like that, how be careful what you think you know, because they were saying how people would converse and get into fights, but you don't know Susie from Alabama, no. or you don't know pa- Pablo from whatever. And they they were doing these, uh, vices doing these type of interviews in different countries and saying they were finding that people were being paid to just stir the pot. Oh, yeah. And they'd be like, why? Why would you do that? And their mm-hmm. response is, because it's fun and I get paid for it. So it's yeah. like, you're like, what the fuck? Like, you know, but it's like, yeah. that's, because they're shaping reality, not really knowing what they're going to do. It's like lighting a bomb and just throwing it and saying, whoever gets impacted, good luck, right? And then, Well, didn't yeah. you think the one death that was totally doable in this was when, he, when Cameron was in the beginning scene, he was homeless and everything, and that old lady was just being vicious and just talking nasty about him? You know how people are oh, yeah. mean well, sorry, in public? <laughs> and then he, you know... That was scanners. That was scanners. Oh, it was scanners. Yeah. Oh, my no, God. Oh, my God. Totally the, totally the same thing. I mean, their themes, the themes of the two films, like, run. They kind of really, I've kind of messed, they do. There's a line, uh, sorry, this quote where uh, the she genius, the genius hits the mark every time, but the mystic hits the mark that no one else can see. And that's what yeah. this movie does to me, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like uh, Joe was saying about the, the references to the internet, it's true, you know, like everything now is like little sound bites in life, you know, and um, th- there's no, it's like it makes you think about reality TV in itself, how it heralded the sort of like reality TV, you know, it's almost like everyone wants this micro universe where they're the king and queen of their own sort of destiny or whatever, like in, right. it's strange, you know, that we're in exactly. Yeah, and that's what I was. That's a that's <laughs> part of the point I was trying to make with the whole social media thing is that you Brian Oblivion actually says that this is the next evolution of man is digital. The new flesh is wow. digital. Yes, yeah, right. yes, uh, yes. 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 This is the next stage. This is where we're going. We're going to that that part where we're go where what what is actually real. He, I think he flat out says it. What's actually real isn't as important as the perception is what you're seeing in, in your digital. Right. Uh, yeah. And you're seeing it now with people yeah. living these extravagant lives or what seem like extravagant lives on social media. And people have thought that about me too, because like I, when I go on social media, I post about the cool shit I'm doing. I don't yeah. care about any, like I'm not going to post, Oh, I, I, you know, I had a shitty night bartending tonight that nobody yeah. cares. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you're, you're hoping that way but, people view your reality actually creates that reality right so for those people who don't have a lot of money what they're dying for is subscribers because if they get more subscribers and the subscribers will give them the money to have that reality so it is a very interesting thing thing, like you can paint this whole reality there's a guy who would also go around which i used to find hysterical he and his friend would go around and they're they were like insta people but he would go around and go into these rich homes and like Okay, take a picture. And he would stand, like, whatever. He'd take a picture and be like, oh, me in my bedroom or me by my pool. And he would lay by. And, and it's like, you would never know. Who who would even know that that wasn't his home? I mean, it's kind of brilliant because you're like, oh, I could totally. And he uses that as a way to be like, that's what I want. Can't you give that to me? If you subscribe to me, if you become my friends, you can give me this reality, <laughs> right? So it's really yeah, it's interesting. Like, like um, it is. I used to converse with um, Heavy D from Storage Wars UK, and basically, oh, cool. 
to always um, do updates on Instagram and things like that. And then basically worked out that he'd passed away um, and they found him like a week later in his kitchen. Um, but no one knew because on Instagram, it just looked like he was just doing posts and was, wow. was fine. Just had maybe a break. Oh or something. God, how tragic. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, because he must've had someone doing that for him. Right. So that's like Virginia Andrews. She died, um, she died, Virginia Andrews died like in 1986 and she's still coming out with books. <laughs> I know, I, I, didn't know, she, I didn't know she was dead. I didn't know she was dead for the longest time, really. Never yeah. just, Andrews dead. Wrote what? what? She only wrote three books in her whole life. She was dead after the third book. When you, Brenna came on and said, uh, I'm dead now from smoke. <laughs> Cigarette, you know, and then Bill Hicks says, "What's this guy selling now?" You know, it's, it's not like, dead yet. Think, uh, <laughs> a couple, a couple <laughs> months. What is reality? That's the thing. I mean, it, yeah. you know, a what, couple it, months uh, after uh, Don Rickles died, I remember getting a notification on my phone that Don Rickles has tweeted for the first time in a while. I'm like, well, that's a fucking miracle. He's dead. He's been dead for six months. <laughs> I, well, I used to always love when people would like tweet something out about a celebrity and they die and people are like oh my god they're dead and then then, then the person's like i'm not dead i don't know why people keep saying i'm dead and like, Poor that's person. funny that's why i gotta bring this up like, oh sorry keith you're dead and like you know Justin, five days later you're like i know like, i'm not dead what are you talking about I had I was one. Sort of like... Tony Selby from Doctor Who last oh, yeah, year, like yeah. a month before. He just died this last week. Oh, no. He died too? He died a month ago when he was still alive. <laughs> and he had, his agent had to said, no, he's still alive and well. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like we did an interview with David Selby and, and Jesse was talking. It was my favorite part of the whole interview. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse goes, well, what did you do after Castle Rock or whatever? Because Jesse was applying, well, were you acting or anything? He goes, no. Nah. He goes, you thought I was dead, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. But I mean, people, they just disappear off the map for a while. You yeah. Know, you wonder not? what happens to them. Well, I guess that's, the, have- that's the other thing is like we've gotten so accustomed to seeing people and, and thinking, oh, that they just disappear. And that's in reality, if we didn't have social media, we would never have that thought. We would just be no. like, Oh, how the, and then you run into him. Oh, hey, how are you? And you wouldn't be like, where are you? Where are you? Where, where'd you go? You just, did you go to another universe? Where are you at? You know? <laughs> people I actually have that situation about a month ago. People have been dead for three years. You know, they don't know. It's like, well, did you look at the date? It says 2017. Uh, but I, the thing is when someone's dead and their Facebook, and their Facebook pages are still alive. Yeah. Like my friend Eric, my, my friend yeah. Sarah, and their yeah. their Facebooks are still alive, and people are still posting on them. They've been it, through it. Like, it's also kind of more. Spooky. It's kind of morbid in that sense that a person's using another person's Facebook to be like, "Hey, everybody, I you know lost her 15 years ago. Like, are you? Why are you using this person's page wow, to be a bitch you? Yeah, the problem with the Facebook pages, though, basically, if something happens there and say that you're on your deathbed, and if you give knowing your password to yeah. actually delete your page it just goes on because oh, if facebook is going to delete is delete your profile you have to send facebook and first of all you got to contact someone who's actually working for facebook we ever try to contact anyone yeah. people? well they have a they have, have a legacy a thing you have to give them a copy of the death certificate you have to send them a copy to prove that that person's dead first of all wow Wow. They actually delete someone's. They have a page, legacy. Or even thing. their Twitter page or even their Instagram, so on and so forth. And even so, then, are they truly gone? Because what information do they have that's, uh, you know, it's. it's I, I, what, I, what I always say what's interesting is imagine like we just all get wiped out. What's left is some core 
computer, right? That has yes. all this information and something comes across us and is like, let's see what this civilization was like. Yeah. Fuck is this? And it's like, it's a bunch of just shit. It's a bunch of. Towards the end, they really aliens, like. Aliens, horror movies, like, you know, Egyptian. Real- Social media. People will think we're a bunch of fucktards. That's what they're going to say. It's just like well. the internet is a dumping ground. So there's no collective strain of thought to the way the no. internet works. So it's it's just a clusterfuck of information. Do you guys think so- social media has more relationship wise? Do you think we don't need so much of it? I do. I think we need to. I, I, well, I, think, I, think, I, think, social, I think what social media basically does, um, from a psychological point of view, is that you're trying you're giving you're trying to present yourself in a way that's not real. Any first mm. first of all, yeah. You know, if you take let's take the Netflix let's take the Netflix series for instance of the guy who murdered his wife and children, sort of thing. Mm. Now, if you look at if you look at the if you look at their post, basically it was the most perfect family ever, and everything was. Is perfect. that the one with the two water tanks? Yeah, in the yeah, the water tanks. And if you look at her thingy, now the thing is, the reality of the situation is that, and this is not saying the reason why she needs to be. All kidding. right, great pick on Colorado. Yeah, she was very controlling, first of all. Basically, she's yeah. very belittling, and basically, it wasn't the perfect family that you thought it was. Underneath the, the kids, though. I mean, I mean, I don't know why people, you know, I don't think you need to murder someone. I think a divorce probably would have done. But anyway, yeah. but the thing is, if you look at her, the social media posts that they do show and they do the, right. the documentary series is quite interesting from not from the murder point of view, but look at it from a social media point of view. Yeah. And the way that everything is very perfect, the perfect lifestyle, the perfect kids, the perfect husband, the perfect party, the perfect friends. And, you know, and that, you know, even if you look at people's posts anyway, you're not even, you know, whether you're looking through, you know, whether you're looking through dating profiles or whether you're looking through social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever like that, you're not even seeing real people anymore. Basically, yeah. everyone's filtered. filtered yeah. That's like that. What's her name? Gabby Petito right now. Everybody's wanting to know where she is, you know. There was okay. there was also like the case of the two girls who killed their friend and the how they actually really solved the case was how they posted Slender Man and it was huh was it Slender the Slender Man case? no it wasn't so it was I everyone keeps saying that one it wasn't that it was just these two it was two girls who were friends a new girl moves into town one of the girls becomes friends with her and then the two of them just decide they don't want to be friends with this other girl anymore and they take her out into the middle of the woods and they oh, kill her. Oh, I know which one you're talking and, about. And basically, the only way it was found out was detectives were like, their behavior's really odd. Let's get access to their phones and their social media right. accounts. Yeah. And that's where the truth came out, where each one was taking shots at the other and like, I know your secrets and you, you know, you think you're being such a, you know, high uppity girl. And so they saw the relationship even to the point to where it was kind of like a confession that one of them said, ready, set, one, two, three. And so they had posted like something to the regards of that ready, set, one, two, three at the time they killed this girl. Wow. So it was literally, they had evidence that, you know, once a one confessed, you have evidence that way. And then now you have a post that says you literally just bragged about killing someone. Yeah. I'm, ri- I'm writing a book right now. Uh, my next novel is about a serial killer who hunts on social media, uh, has many, 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 many profiles. And yeah. he, uh, he, it's a good he place is, to hunt. Is it not? It, yeah. You'll have to read that when it's finding there's, angel. <laughs> there's um there's a great movie. I'll that's give him also- some people that if he wants some victims, I'll, 
give them some people's names. There's a great movie that's coming out that the premise of it's really interesting because it's how the, how the killer uses technology to hunt its victims, but they mm-hmm. literally make a 3D face of the person. So your killer is you. Oh. <laughs> and so literally every time the killer is in the scenes, it's like they're trying to get away. You see yourself, basically. You see, and it's, right. it's sort of like how a person uses technology to know where the person is, who they are, what they would say, any of that. So they're using it to mimic themselves. So that way it's a perfect crime. You are killing yourself, like, in a way. So it's... Wow. A Craigslist killer 10 years ago. He was in <laughs> I have a point about Videodrome that I was wondering if anybody else caught it. Um, it came out when 1981, right? 83. 83. 83. 83. Yeah. 83. Yep. Excuse me. Sorry for that. But 83, um, how old was I then? Uh, about the 60s and the 70s. Uh, I guess drugs were really good. I didn't do any of drugs or anything, but you got to remember um, those were the heydays for uh, like mushrooms, acid, things like that. <laughs> drugs. Big childhood. And I think- no comment. and i think that played a lot into those people that uh, cronenberg used Mm -hmm. that hallucinations in videodrome to play on those people who have experienced such hallucinations in the movie like that's messed up that's funny yeah Yeah. that's a good idea too we went to the first time i seen ghost story we were tripping, and that was probably the worst thing I could have ever done, trying to get out of the film, out of the seat, and out of the, the cinema. The best acid experience is Return of the Jedi, because nothing's better when you're high and basically you're going through on the floor. <laughs> and, then, and then when you're coming down, by the time the, the, the teddy bears come out, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> And the teddy bears are like doing the tracer thing in front of your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Teddy bears on mountain bikes in a chase. Pretty hellish. Like, Maybe, our ego yeah. is so big that we're actually all gone. We all died about 2,000 years ago or 9,000 years ago. And it's just the ego that's keeping us here talking on, these, on this little box. Yep, <laughs> it's all part of the movie. Oh, in the Forbidden Planet, the movie, when he says, "Well, John," he says, "Yes, the Krell have reached the height of enlightenment, but they didn't realize monsters from the id, John. Monsters from the id." And there wow, you go. Cool. Yeah. To bring it back to something Jim was <laughs> Sorry, saying, back to <laughs> I think there is a. Um, I, I think there is a theme here as well where the politicians who are behind everything in Videodrome are, in a way, kind of marketing to the undesirables. And whether, whether you see that as uh, drug users, people yes. who are into violence, or uh, people who are really Outside of society. sexualized. Kind of like now. Like that's yeah. <laughs> that kind of... <laughs> that kind of seems to be... Uh, that kind of seems to be another theme here, is, uh, yeah, the, the, the people who are behind it or like we want to, you know, we want to root these out because who is who is attracted to this? Because they, they say themselves, well, we don't watch it. Who's attracted to this? These That's people, right. the, the, the people who are like everybody says they're not, but they find themselves watching it. Right Even here. if you don't, there's still a fascination. I don't care. I've caught people say, I'm not going to watch this. It's like ah, you did. <laughs> yeah, but I people who have, I mean, what's quite in, what's quite interesting about that? You know what you just said there about Cronenberg. I mean, if you look at society, anyways. As the way it is. If you ever notice that 
You can always tell a poor area by what? By how many liquor stores there are in it. That's, that's evident today. So catching places. You know, and you know, and sure. you know, you know, that's where the, you know the drugs are. And I mean, it's like you know, let's face it. You know, you can make money off of welfare, and okay, you might be able to get by, but you're going to need to supplement that. And what better way to supplement that than sell drugs? Yeah. You know, that's a true story. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about. We just got liquor here in my part of Texas. We had beer and wine, but we still did not have a liquor, whatever the liquor thing going on. Yeah. And all of our liquor stores are in. They put two up, and they are in the bad neighborhoods. So you couldn't be Absolutely. more spot on. Uh-huh. That is true. And if you want to talk about, I mean, if you want to talk about conspiracies and theories anyway, the be- the thing that you know, if, you know, as far as companies go and rich people are concerned, the you know the, they are the minority. The last thing you want to do is have the sub economic um, lower classes join together as one because they become a majority and you have the French Revolution all over again. Right. It's best to keep them down and have them fighting amongst each other by yes. throwing different things out of each other, whether you want to sit there yes. and say racism or a hatred or whatever you want to do. And that's why you can separate them because if they form together, they can take over the world. But the thing Absolutely. is, you keep fighting. Yeah. And you know, come, them. come together, as Lenin said, you know, I mean, that's where it's about. Yeah. I mean, why, why do you think rich people never fight? They all seem to be on the same page all the time. Doesn't matter yeah, what, what really, the backgrounds are. They might really, seem to be a very open world sort of thing, but you know, they're not really, you know, they right, just know right. that, you know, we don't need to fight because we'll keep everyone else fighting. That way, no one knows what we're doing up here. That's right. You know, I mean, if you look at, I mean, if you want to see something interesting, there's a documentary being done is the the uh, mediification of COVID. And the thing is, is like while COVID was going on and you're getting these figures of death tolls and COVID cases, that's all you heard about. But in this country, I mean, basically Brexit went through all these other things were going through at the same time and no one knew what was going on. You know, it's like, you know, it's a simple thing. Look at the right hand so you'll never know what the left hand's doing. Misdirection. Magicians do it all the time. It's all misdirection. And if you look at, you know, and that's what's quite interesting about this as well. The video drama is all about misdirection as well. You know, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening here. But that's because, you know, we keep these people doing whatever they're doing here. So that way no one knows what's really going on. That's that's absolutely bang on. That's how this place works, you know. This reality yeah, distract from the, the the main the main things that yes. are actually happening. And if you think about if you think about it at all, I mean, look at media as well. I mean, the thing is, okay, you might have news, but no one reads past the headlines. No one's reading the story. Yeah. And that's another thing that sorry, we have, like, we have a newspaper here called the Metro, and they'll be like reading the the Metro storyline, like twenty five died in fire. And then oh, yeah. by the time you read the story, you realize that twenty five could have died in the fire, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's another thing that gets me, Keith. They, they call it today's newspaper, but how can it be today's newspaper when today hasn't happened yet? So basically, <laughs> it's a mishmash of yesterday. Yeah. So it should be not today's newspaper, but a mishmash of yesterday. Sorry. Or something like that, you know. Oh, just the, the, the first word that all English kids learn. Sorry. And, and the stories never live up to the headline, if you ever notice. You're like, really? Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, Does anybody hey, even buy the newspaper? Wait, what is that? <laughs> I don't even think people buy the newspaper anymore. No, <laughs> you're probably right. Well, no, you used to get, get it delivered. You get it your, but you get it through your yeah, phone, we don't you? Whether, I mean, if you go through your phone and you, you know, you write scroll sort of thing, you get, you get whatever news is, you know, whatever your agor- yeah. uh, algorithms or whatever are called come up. And basically, you just get these, like, news stories, and you can read forward, like, squirrels have human-like personality traits, says study. 
But that's what you. That that's what matters most. And <laughs> like, okay, which editorials okay. will tell you the thing that matters the most is the headline, because that's yeah. what pulls you in. If you if the headline sucks, that yeah. article is not going to be read. Sorry. That's, and so they want it to be concise. And woman dies falling off cliff. Really quick, you're like, whoa! What the hell is that? What, how did she fall off the cliff? You know, <laughs> squirrel tripped woman probably, falling. Probably off Probably taking cliff. a selfie of herself that was filtered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know that selfies have killed more people in the world than car crashes. Did Especially you know at the Grand yeah. Canyon. That that shit happens all the time there. <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's like you kind of deserve to die. I'm sorry when you're that. Like, it's like, uh, and I was just talking to my daughter about it. She took selfies at the Grand... Or someone took pictures over the Grand Canyon. And she got just close enough where she oh. said... Fuck it, that's far enough. I, I would have been livid if I'd been there and knew she did that. I mean, he was pretending to thought that Carly Simon would be a, prod- a prodigal seer of our time. I know. <laughs> I mean, you, you probably hear about it all the time. People trying to take a selfie as a train's coming and bam. <laughs> There's an actual video of that. Did you, you didn't see, I, I'll have to send it to him. Oh, that's I'll send it to I'm you. Not, I love the dark web. Video you, you can I mean, find anything with a VPN and the dark web. I was going to say, I, <laughs> now that when you said the dark web, I remember growing up, and I never watched any of these, but I remember talking about the dark web, the faces of death. Oh, yeah. yeah I love faces of death. I, so that was, I remember out, was going, that I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to see real acts of things happening. I couldn't like, figure out if it was staged, though, or not, like the monkey and the bear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, some of the animal stuff is real, but the people stuff wasn't real. It's just like, honey, stop feeding that bear. It's like, why is she filming him getting mutilated by this bear? It's like, when do you stop filming to get this? Is this the money shot? She just because I watched the bear tear him apart. <laughs> Apparently, it was the kind of money for the <laughs> Like most video nasties, like, oh, I really need to see this because it's on the list, and then he watches like, oh, they actually the video art was actually better than the movie. <laughs> Some of us are just some of us are just morbid. It's like when I found out that webpage called Celebrity Morgue. That was like one of my favorite pages for a while. Oh yeah, where you see Pac's head blown off and all that. Jesus. He's seen Celebrity Morgue. He's just as sick as I am. So I to be honest, what they used to teach us, I mean when I got my um, friends at psychiatry degree, what they used to do is they used uh, our, we would have a class in criminology where basically they'd just show us dead people's photos from like sort of thing. Blades from, wow. But they, but it wouldn't be the black and white photos that you guys that you would see on the internet, it would be like all these colors, but vivid colors sort of thing. And, and they would blow them Ooh. up. They're like, you know, on a great big projector. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't wait for my daughter. Al, Al Capone, you know, on the floor with all these bullet yeah. holes, his head blown off. I remember, uh, I remember reading the first couple of chapters of uh, Marilyn Monroe's Last Days of Marilyn Monroe's, and how the the coroner actually, once he realized it was her, like pushed the body in a closet just to take like photos of her because he wanted to, he wanted to be the first one to be like, I'm like, how. What a sick fucker, man. Wow. I know, right? What about, Ava, what about Ava Perone, though? Basically, oh, when Ava, God, Ava died, Perone. They, they stuffed her. They, they made made her. Yeah. Taxidermied her. Yeah. And then yeah. someone yeah. stole her body and was having sex with sex it. Sex with it, yeah. And while he was having sex with it, he was punching her in the face sort of thing until they found oh. her body. Like Did they years. find her body? Because I thought yeah, they, 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 they never found her them. body. <laughs> well, they were hiding it because her husband wanted it back, and and yeah, she's in Germany, wasn't she? That's what yeah, I found. There her. was something about the body. I, I, I knew this. How the hell did they get her all the way to Germany? What the? 
They passed her around like a two dollar whore there for a while. I mean, she was just going everywhere. <laughs> she was. Wasn't that guy, um, the American photographer called Ouija? He always seemed to be on the spot when there was somebody getting shot or a car crash. Some guy called Ouija, really strange. It always sounds like that strange board that you used to contact. Right. Him. Yeah, but he was actually always, it's almost like a lot of things are staged. You know, you've heard about the crisis actors, you know, and um, yeah. they're brought in to sort of, yeah, to heighten a situation, like make it look, because right. fear keeps us all from learning and being what we should be. You know? Right. Yeah. Terrible, exactly. you know? mm. Well, going back to your thing about reality television, when you're watching reality television, whether it's a real housewife program or something like that, the thing you always need to remember is that they are one, they are a one camera show. Yeah. And because they're a one camera key. show, basically, so basically when you're seeing reaction shots and the camera is not moving to tell the person's reaction, yeah. that yeah. means they cut, react, film, right. hold that anger. Yeah. <laughs> is it true? But you're going to cry. Don't cry yet. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Now, did Cronenberg really spring stuff on people when they weren't expecting it when he was filming? Or that I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, I, I know in, in the dead in the case of the dead zone to get Christopher Walken's reaction. So, like when when he touches somebody and he gets like that jolt, right? Uh, he would fire off a gun off camera to get Christopher Walken like kind of jumping. I don't oh, know. Really? I, I don't know about that. any other specific inst- uh, instances. That's what, oh. I Cronenberg that. doesn't have a, a really. Bad app as far as working with him goes. I've never heard anything, any actor say anything bad about him at all. Mm. And, you know, the thing is, he doesn't really make too many movies now. And you think that there would have been some scandalous story somewhere at some point, but no one's really. Nobody always has a somewhere. Lynn Lowry Lowry and I are friends, and uh, she has had nothing but good things to say about Cronenberg. Uh, She said he was was fantastic and a joy to work with. I, I don't remember her saying anything negative about him. And I, and I remember when James and Debbie Wolf said that he, they he got on really fa- fancy well that they're still friends to this day. Yeah. I remember James even kind of ran to him wanting to work with him and had this role. And then Debbie was the same way. Like one, when he saw her in like something for like eight seconds and he's like her, like I want her. I can't remember what she was in, but she was in something yes, really small, do. like a part. And then he was like, I, I want her. Uh, that's the, the other thing is I couldn't get over how much uh, Debbie Harry and Michelle Pfeiffer looked alike. Uh, like in this movie, she in this does. movie, I kept thinking it was Michelle Pfeiffer. No, that's Debbie Harry. Yeah, yeah. She was quite. I was. I mean, it's hard to see her. She looks quite beautiful in any hair. But when you think of Debbie Harry, you think of her blonde hair with her, black, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. ends on it because that's her signature hairstyle. The one that was um, that played the daughter. Um, Sonja, Sonja Smits. Um, she reminds me of the one that was in Hellraiser. I don't know why. Just she just looks just like her. That was in oh, Ashley Lawrence. Two or such three. A beautiful yeah. woman. Yeah. Some of these women just are just they just never age. They look great, like Elvira. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. yeah. She bur- <laughs> she bathes in the virgin's blood. 
<laughs> yeah. There's no virgins to get blood from I, anymore. I made that joke with a friend of mine. I was like, and do you know how hard it is to find a virgin these days? There ain't nothing around There are no virgins. They are no. It's vir- virgin on the ridiculous. <laughs> they were making that joke in uh, 1985 in the Jim Carrey vampire movie Once Yes. Yes, I remember that. Lauren Hunt. Uh, that was 35 years ago. Yes. Yeah, we were running out of virgins in the 80s. Oh, uh, That's right. There's virgin oil. Explains <laughs> Mount St. Helen exploding, doesn't it? One <laughs> <laughs> to throw in. <laughs> oh, God, what was that movie, Dan? Oh, that's going to drive me nuts. So does anyone have anything else they want to add to Videodrome before we close? Um, if you want to chase your kids out of the room, put Videodrome in, but just make sure they're over 80s. 80s, 80s. sci-fi <laughs> work. <laughs> I mean, I guess just uh, yeah, just that yeah. It's I, I think it's it's prescient to our time. Um, I think Cronenberg yeah. maybe without realizing it, or he maybe he did because this does seem to be his his kind of Prophetic. attack where technology's taken man. Um, it, it, I think it really resonates today when you look at uh, UHF is basically YouTube now. I guess it's the closest we're going to get to UHF because basically anybody can can uh, can. Well, broadcast. does anybody use an analog TV anymore? Because that's where you got your UHF from. Yeah, so that doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, so I guess YouTube would be the closest we come to it, and I guess that's just the, the the stuff that really stuck out to me was all the Brian Oblivion stuff and how looking looking at that, it just seemed like wow, this is a. Uh, this is a look into. This is a look forty years into the future, because uh, you do have, uh, like I said, it's, it's social media, it's uh, it's the the idea of monologuing without receiving information back. There's a lot in this movie. To Cell phones, everything. I mean, yeah. you're you're right. You've made a great point well, with that. Digital, the digital life in that movie. Well, I mean, oh my god, I can't believe this dawned on me now. Um, Debbie Harry's character, you know, says, you know, not, not to be afraid to let your body die because the digital part is what's going to be important. And you yeah. see that now with, you know, do it for the gram. Let's get do you it think left. she knew she was going to die when she went to Pittsburgh then? I think she didn't care. I think she was looking for that better edge, right? Like she yeah, was, she was looking for something. High. Yeah. Was she, a she was looking for a bigger seeker? high. Yeah. That's the impression I got from her too. Sex is like drugs, you know. It's like you get high and pot, and then you like, and then if that's not good enough, you look for the next high. And sex is like thing. It's like well, sex. sex To be clear, it was sex and pain. So for her, she wasn't just. I found her character very interesting because another thing that is dying in in modern times, uh, talk uh, radio talk. Like I forgot that existed, and when she was like helping someone, I was like, "What an interesting character to be someone who helps people through their." Remember that? Does anybody? Doctor Ruth used to do it. Doctor, what was the other one? Well, I mean, there was a lot of them that actually did that. I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot that actually existed." Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Actually, helps people therapeutically on the radio. So how interesting that she was that, and then yet at home she was always chasing that addiction of like pain and right right what's what's interesting is james woods is kind of like a character who uh has like this desire to like like keep wanting to 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 take that next step but like you guys said once he actually sees video drum he kind of he kind of withdraws from it where you have somebody like debbie harry it's the it's the idea of you you keep trying to meet somebody who is going to take you to that next level and in this Mm. case sexually and then when he comes in when he comes in contact with Deborah Harry here, she is so, she is so far beyond anything that he's ever done. Yeah. Is what he's yeah. done, you know. 
she's like, hey, you know, just cut me, uh, just cut me a little, just enough to draw blood. So, yeah, there's there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack with this movie. There's also a big divide between um, a voyeur and a participant as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, are you the audience in this movie, the player? You know, yeah. he's also been used to as a as a president and you know as a of a t- television company always trying to provide content. It is about the ratings, keeping people interested, keeping people. And so for him, like he become he's become a bit desensitized, right? So when he watches anything, he's yeah. like ah. And you know, I forget he got the the first film he got was like I'm assuming it was some. Um, it was like, remember, it was like an Asian woman and she was being massaged or something. And there was like, he's like, yeah, this is kind of boring. And like, he's was looking what's, what's going to pull the audience. What's going to engage the audience? Because as a producer, it's not about what you so much like. It's about what really is going to pull the people and keep the people there. Right. So it's interesting. You meet a woman that treads that line of, Oh no, but you have to go. Cause remember, it's almost like he's showing it to her to be like, Oh, she's not going to want to watch this. Oh, she's interested. Oh, maybe I should use this, right? Like she is an audience member that would be interested in something like this. And, and, and that's what kind of gets him to want to actually use this, you know? I mean, another way you can look at this as well, that David Cronenberg's probably head of the curve on here is that when, um, you know, I've been working with, I've been working with Rockstar at the moment and they were giving me the information about how GTA became the way it was. And what they did was when GTA, before it came out, they fed stories about how this was wrong for children and how basically all the violence and all the nudity and sexual content. And they put this out before the game was released, causing the game to become the number one best selling game of all time. Meanwhile, the audience is like, me, me. Which game was that? If you look at at James Wood's character here, basically, is yeah, you put something, you know, what are some of the worst movies that you've seen or the ones that basically everyone's talking about? They're the most controversial films. And you watch them, you're going, really? And if you you look at James Wood's character, basically, if you have something that's going to be crossing the line and stuff like this, of course, even with people, bad publicity is always the best publicity for stuff, you know, sort of thing. It is. I didn't think of it until Joe said something. Joe said something that made me wonder, do you think Cronenberg was making you the voyeur in this film? Because Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he actually wanted to shoot it that way. And I couldn't remember how he said he he, he just couldn't because he was trying to do it from a first perspective for first person perspective uh-huh. because then you're the one who's consuming and so you never see who the person is but then he said it was just too hard to <laughs> shoot it that way and then he he ended up just changing it and flipping right but the thing so is the more you stare into the void you've got to remember that the void will stare back into you yeah, yeah. and, and it's we are james we are james woods yeah. We all James. We're, we're we're somebody who's like oh we've seen it all we've seen it all yeah and now here's this situation where like this is like nothing I've ever seen. We're completely out of our depth. And I think that was the yeah. point. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So what about Craig? You're being quiet. I just thought of uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park then when we saw that. <laughs> that James Wood is in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, you just want the, what's the next thing that's going to be for, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, in this, this case with Cronenberg's uh, distrust of technology and what would happen if uh, corporations got a hold of it. So it's, ah, it's, corporations. Uh, corporations. Keep going further and further. 
we're going to keep going further and further and uh yeah, yeah eventually we're we're going to eat ourselves screwed. we're going to have sort of dinos uh tyrannosaurus rexes running all the corporate con- uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right jurassic world is coming out is at the end of this year uh think so there's a my trailer. grandson is yeah. waiting for bated breath to see what happens to blue we all want to know what oh. happens to blue <laughs> blue, blue moose's suburb he met a nice pterodactyl named red <laughs> <laughs> and together they go purple together they, everyone who was in that <laughs> residence who he married a bond- bondosaurus and ended video, up <laughs> video drop. george orwell did 1984 didn't he with the whole big brother yes that's right that's yeah. So I wonder if there's like tropes of like the actual VHS tape being like a like what we were talking about, like the recording device, like okay. to capture stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I like that concept. And That's, I just yeah. think like in the future, like even Blu-rays, that the, the, some of the supermarkets in the UK now are stopping um, uh, selling Blu-rays and uh, DVDs altogether because of they're the, not. The, yeah, because yeah. of the online. Um, well, Redbox is starting to get to be kind of like an online thing now as well, right? I, we still have our red boxes in our, our area, like the, you know, the, the out storefront things, but. Well, I mean, I'll put it this way. In video games, I don't buy, I don't buy um, physical Same. video games. All mine's, I download them. I buy them. You download them now. You don't have to stand in line outside. Uh, with the, and there's also it. that, that a thought of actually having a space where you, it's like cloud-based where you can keep everything in there and you can get it in a moment's notice where a VHS you have to put in and you have to rewind, you know, actually <laughs> all of that, even DVDs. Hey, I had a rewinder. I bought one. The problem with the DVDs is you have to watch like 15 different trailers, right? And you have to go with all the different copyrights. Oh, I know. I forgot about those. The other thing was, you come in at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, let's watch some porn. But the machine was like... Everybody in the street knew what you were watching. <laughs> but but the, the other there, side there, are da- there are dangers to downloadable content though. Is yes. that, that what you will see like with things like with Disney Plus or Netflix or other things like that? Is that they are now taking movies and they are actually cutting certain scenes out and stuff like this that oh, they might think that you find offended. Or changing I'm sick them, of that shit. I'm not even going to go into or it. Or just that taking the movie off the market. Yeah. Nobody's... And this is this no is the other side it. of streaming. This yes. is the other side of streaming. Netflix, yeah. Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, whoever. They can just decide tomorrow, this movie doesn't exist Pull anymore. Plug, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Physical media is important. That's, That's the last... My, actually, That's my roommate has behind me. Uh, he has the... Uh, the um, the only versions of the original Star Wars that were ever released on DVD really? before, they, before they became the special editions because they've only been released once. Hey, yeah, that's interesting. Because they, don't, they technically don't exist anymore. Yeah. And you're, you're kind, of, you're kind of keep remastering something and after a time you've changed so much about the way it looks, the story, and how, you yeah. know. So. Well, you know so let's, let's, think of, let's think something very, very innocent. You'll um, never see the original Splash ever again. Yeah, and that's the only original VHS or DVD. Yep. What happened in what happened in 
I don't think it's just Daryl Hannah basically. They, they're walking out of the water. She's, she's, well, it's it's her nipple like showing, her breasts showing. Oh, that mermaid on mermaid. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen Splash. I've mermaid seen Splash. on mermaid sex, David. That's what it is. Hey, get the video. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the flippers. Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman is another <laughs> film that's been slightly altered now that song did. Right. I love that movie. In Star Wars, recently, Star Wars, they added that McClunky line because they wanted to make sure that Greedo, that you, that it gives you a reason for Han to shoot first. Yeah. Oh. So you're yeah. never going to find that, and, it, and it's originally, you know, you, you go back, they change that. Uh, the the Simpsons, if you go to, uh, to, to Disney Plus and you look up the third season, the Michael Jackson episode is not there, and it will never be there again. Are you yeah. serious? Well, a lot yeah. of them, because, again, you get into an age of what is appropriate isn't appropriate. You're you're in a family fun network, you know, and it's but sort of like... But the Simpsons have never been for children, really. No, no 100%. Yeah, yeah. but let's, let's put it this way, though. So taking the Michael Jackson art um, episode off the Simpsons, he's saying he doesn't... So basically, you're saying that Michael Jackson's guilty of what he's... Basically. Allegedly accused of. Allegedly. 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 said that they made it all up. He never did anything. Well, we did that. Remember, we did that I'm, podcast. I'm sorry, it. though, but if I'm going to uh, molest, sure I'm gonna molest an unknown child before I molest a sister and a star. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's going to be. You're not going to molest a, a world-famous actor, are you? You're going to molest an unknown child, aren't you? If you're going to do that. I'm not saying that Michael Jack is innocent or guilty. I'm saying if you're going to do that, you're going to find an unknown child to do that, too. You're not going to... Corey Feldman also says it's not true about Michael Jackson. I would, to be honest, even if Michael, even if Corey Feldman presented himself to me nude, I still wouldn't have had that guy. You'll never know. But everyone, by the way, everyone loves taking things like that. And, you know, how many of us heard the whole Richard Gear? And so for the longest time, we're running about the, gerbil? the gerbil. Like, you know, you never know what, like, I how, don't think that's real. Rumor, I think that no, was but I'm just saying how rumor starts back then was very interesting because well, you had you that know, with Rod Stewart back then. I'm not even going to say what they said. Oh, yeah, that, that one I remember too. He had to get a stomach yeah. pump. That's well, all it was either Rod Stewart or Ozzy Osbourne, depending on who was telling you the story. That story goes sort of thing. Oh, but I mean, was it, talk is cheap. 14 mermaids and a little baby when it's supposed to be a ghost in the curtain or something, you know. Oh, wow. Urban yeah. myth. Fourteen oh, mermaids and a ghost. <laughs> Sorry, three men in the. I'm, still, I'm <laughs> still on the mermaid. Urban legend becomes day. fast, doesn't it? Isn't that what it is? <laughs> but, yeah. but but the point being though, with streaming though, though you have this, it, you have this, um, you know, that this real easy button where you can just hit it. Yeah. Eventually, it can go away. You could lose your internet, at, you know, for yes. for a day. Now you can't watch a movie, but uh, I'm not yeah. going to have that problem because I've got yeah. all these movies or, back or you here. You have to pay it. to retain what you have, right? So it is a matter of cost to what you own and how yeah. also a physical copy you own, right? And well, no Joe has a really good point you. about it. He's been telling me this for a long time. You bet it. Got to get the the hard, you know, hard copies, of everything. And he's right because I, I mean, I don't want to go into culture or politics or anything, but let's face it, things are disappearing yes. because people don't like it. Yeah. It, you know? I don't think I it mean, can ever completely disappear because yes. of people like Joe, right? Like, meaning if he wants to, he can find a way to recirculate it, and many people do. How we get free, some of us get free things is because there are people on the internet who are like, hey, don't pay for that. That's stupid. Here's a, here's right. a movie, download it here. And, you know, like, so there is a lot of that culture that right, I, don't think anything, right. I don't think anything is 
we're past the day where burn every film that exists. You know, it's like burn it all, right? <laughs> it's never God, it. I hope we it's never come even, to that. It's not even possible. necessarily because of a cultural thing. It could just be the movie doesn't make money anymore. Uh, yeah. Like nobody's watching it. Like well, even if we pull put it, on, it, yeah, yeah, they'll just yeah. pull it because well, it, this but thing I don't, think, I don't think anything could not ever exist they did anymore. That's 60. my point. Like now, the it's, 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 yeah. we copied and, and copied and copied and copied. Oh like, well, yeah. so much like it just can't yeah. not exist anymore. Well, that's what Stanley Kubrick did with Clockwork Orange in the UK. Yeah, what did he do? UK gave thought on Clockwork Orange a bad review, so he put a thing on it that that film could never be shown here. And anyone that showed that film would be sued and closed down, which he's really, yep. yeah, he, he closed that? down the scala and everything like that because he yeah. got a bad review because yes. Stanley Kubik, Oof, I didn't know that he was a good yeah. filmmaker. He was not much of a humanitarian and not a very nice person, but, right. but, um, but yeah, he was, um, but that's what he did. So basically a bunch of cinemas, um, it's only after he died they were allowed to show Clockwork Orange, but before that, he closed down the Scala Cinema. He closed down one in Leicester. Wow. He closed yeah, down yeah. one. That's, that's wow, I didn't know bad, that. Because he got a bad review. One yeah, bad review. One so, bad review. Wow. It's like uh, in it was it 1929 or 1931, sorry, uh, when there was a big riot for the surrealist film Large Door, you know, and the prefect of Paris closed it down, and it wasn't so seen for like 40 years. Mm, you know, yeah. it's outrageous. It's Henry Miller, wow. you know. Um, uh, Lady yeah, Chatterley's yeah. lover, you know, I mean, all these, anything that sort of pushes the bounds a little bit and tries to take you and try to understand things about each other, they want to shut it down, you know, because yeah. they want us to live in fear well, before, and ignorance. Before well, videos, the BBC would burn all the archives yeah. from the 60s yeah. of Doctor Who. So <gasps> they found one, I think it was in a, in a hut in Nigeria, they found a, one copy of it and they've just released it. <laughs> no as kidding! Wow. Yeah. Isn't that from weird? Crazy. To I think sixty eight, uh, they just burnt everything. I mean, I kind of wish Stanley Kubik was like that before he got alive, because I would kind of like to see Eyes Wide Shut disappear. Oh, yeah, but brilliant! Okay. <laughs> was that the only? He just wants them shut forever. He wants them eyes wide closed. <laughs> I like that movie, Eyes Wide Shut. It was hard to watch. That was an uncomfortable. It was hard to watch because Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, who were married at the time, had no sexual chemistry whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they did not. <laughs> it's like no wonder these two never had children. It's like they couldn't even get it up in front of them. Couldn't yeah. get it on. <laughs> Should have played Marvin Gaye. It would have helped, you know. Little <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barry White. Oh, Barry White. Barry White. Oh, there's a man. <laughs> Brings us to the end of Literary Lexus podcast. <laughs> on next next week, our for our eighties, we'll be covering Killer Party from nineteen eighty seven and Night of the Demons from nineteen eighty five. Wow, I'm gonna have sleep. Eighty eight, eighty eight, nineteen eighty. So yeah. Killer Party from nineteen eighty seven and Night of the Demons from nineteen eighty eight. Of course, next week we'll be covering Dark Shadows. We're doing on um, December from nineteen sixty eight and January from nineteen sixty nine episodes. Which will be forty episodes. We'll have special um, guests. Mary O'Leary, who is the producer of General Hospital, One Life to Live, and also um, documentaries. And she'll be joining us to talk about her documentary that she did about Jonathan Frid, who, has, who passed a couple of years ago, and talking about the, the theory of Barnabas. And the documentary will be out for years to buy, and that we'll be advertising that on our yeah, website. Yeah, that's going to be cool. And it'll also be advertised in our newsletter. 
And of course, our next song, Classic Novels, um, which is not Classic Novels, is King nope. of Horror. This will be Cabal by Clive Barker and Nightbreed. And of course, Bewitch will be continuing. And so what we'll say is good night to our guests. So it's good night, James. Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night, David. Good night, Keith. Good night, Craig. Good night, John Boy. Good night, <laughs> good night Joe. Good night, everybody. Good night, right. John. Good night, folks. Sweet dreams. <laughs> good night, Vicky. <laughs> good night, guys. And good night for yeah. myself, and we'll see you next week for Dark Shadows and our next deity for the Killer Party and Night of the Day.
<laughs> I think we had orgasm. <laughs> <laughs>